can he be in every cornfield? It can't be the same guy. It can't be. He's wearing the same hat. I'm telling you, he is following us. I hate that guy. <laughs> I have got to get some guard, Owen. All right, all right, all right. This is crazy. There's two of us, right? Yeah. Uh, oh. Trust me, there's two of us. And there's only one of him. I, I don't know, man. He scares me. He really does. Just think about that corn. Yeah. Corn. The corn. Corn. All right, let's, let's do it! it! Let's do it! Ah! Go! Man, he is good. I bet he's laughing at us. Don't look at him. Don't even give him the satisfaction. Just think about something else. Oh. Well, good morning. You know, uh, you know what makes things funny? <clears throat> what makes things funny is when, in at least a little way, we can relate. Uh, that's what makes things funny. And honestly, those two crows are uh, something that we can relate to, and that is that in each and every one of us, at least to different degrees, we deal with fear. Fear. Matter of fact, it's part of all of our experiences. It starts when we're first born. I mean, if you've ever witnessed a baby being born, you know that when it comes out and it starts screaming and crying, you look on the face of a little newborn baby and you say, that little child is scared. You know, it's come into this new world, it was in this nice cozy place, comes out and all of a sudden this is really a scary place. And then when we're little kids, we deal with fear. You think about a shadow going across the wall or a little noise inside of a closet and immediately we think, monsters. There's monsters that are going to hurt us. We get into our teen years and uh, we become a little more sophisticated with our fear. You know, we, we fear, well, we fear like we're not going to be invited with, to things where our friends are, you know, where the fun is. We, we fear being rejected. We get into young adulthood, and we have other fears that we wrestle with. Fears of, am I going to be lonely? Uh, fears of taking on responsibility for my own life. What's that going to look like? Then we get married and we, we have fears like, you know, this love that we're experiencing right now, is, is this a love that's going to last? Is this going to be a love that gets deeper and grows more passionate or is it going to kind of fade away? Then we get, have kids and a lot of fears come with having kids, you know, like, are they going to be Okay. Um, will they succeed? Will they actually follow the Lord when they get older? As we get up there in age, we have other fears that come over us, like, am I still going to be relevant? Do I still matter to this world? Fear. Some fear is healthy. I mean, it keeps us safe, you know, fear of burning our hands on the stove or Fear of traffic, you know, and the other fear is unhealthy. Fear can get control of us. It can cause us to stop knowing joy in our lives. So how do we handle fear? How we handle it is so critical. 
how can we slay the monster, you know, that seems to paralyze us from uh, experiencing God's pleasures in our lives, God's joy for our lives? How do we stop allowing the scarecrows of life to govern us so that we can feast on what God has for us? Well, we're in this series entitled The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It's a series about King David. That's a sculpture by Michelangelo, the head of the sculpture by Michelangelo of David. And uh, actually, the sculpture is the very story we're going to address this morning. It was really a highlight of David's life. It was a time in David's life when uh, really it was like a defining moment for him. When we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, this was clearly a good moment for David. It was probably the most famous moment of his life. When you think of David, normally when we think of David, we think of David and Goliath, the monster, the giant, Goliath, yes. And so this morning, we're going to unpack that story. Maybe for some of you, this will be number whatever that you've heard this story, but maybe God has something for us here as we talk about how to slay that giant named fear. We have to go back to 1020 B.C. Uh, The Israelite army were up against their arch enemies, the guys that always seemed to get in the way, which were the Philistines. They were... Uh, the, the Israelite army were on the southern slopes of this big valley called the Valley of Elah. They were on the southern slope, or the, I'm sorry, the northern slopes, and the Philistines were on the southern slopes of this huge valley. And uh, they were duking it out a little bit, and then they decided, well, hey, at this standstill, the Philistines sent out this giant, this monster of a man, to take on whichever Israelite might want to fight him. And instead of me just telling you the story, maybe we ought to read it out of the, out of the Scriptures. So if you have a Bible handy, you can go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible handy, no big deal. We'll have the Scriptures up here on the screen. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, let's just jump into verse 3. It says, The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now let me just stop there to get get us an understanding of how big this giant was. A cubit back then was the measurement of a man's arm from his elbow to the tip of his tallest finger. That's a cubit. So if you measure me, you can see that I'm about four cubits tall. I'm six feet tall. He was, uh, how many cubits does it say here? He was six cubits. So he is like two cubits taller than me and a span, which a span is half of a cubit. So uh, the tallest man in the Guinness Book of World Records is eight foot 11. Goliath would have stood a head taller than him at about nine feet, nine inches tall. He was huge. And it says how he was dressed here, verse uh, verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs. A greave is like a shin guard, like a military shin guard on his leg. And, uh, And a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. 
The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear. They were dealing with fear. And it wasn't just like a one-time deal here. This fear went on and on. Jump down to verse 16. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. The giants, the monsters, the scarecrows that instill fear normally aren't just a one-time deal. Fears are things that seem to just be a part of us, that, that seem to not go away. They are there morning and evening, day after day. It's like they follow us. They, they intimidate us. Like the pressure of the job and the fear, will, will I fail? Or at home, will we make it? The fear of not making it. With our kids, are we blowing it as parents? Or as we get older, will I be okay living by myself now? How do we handle fears? Well, I, honestly, we all have our own mechanisms for handling fears. <laughs> Some of those mechanisms are pretty healthy. Others are not very healthy. And we'll find out as we unpack this story of David and Goliath. First of all, the, the wrong ways in which some of us may handle fears. And then we'll switch over to the right way on how to face our fears. So let's start with the wrong ways to face our fears. The wrong way to face our fears was, first of all, illustrated in those crows. You know, abort, abort! <laughs> the way I have it in your outline is avoidance. Avoidance. You know, let's just not address what scares me and... Maybe it'll just go away. We'll jump over to verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. They were, he was like a big, huge scarecrow. Like, I don't want to go there. I'm not even going to go there. So I'm just gonna, we're just going to flee from him. And maybe, maybe he'll just go away. As kids, we, we run away screaming or we hide and we cover our heads. This is what the Israelite armies were doing and how they were dealing with Goliath, the cause of their fears. But, but look what happens in verse 25. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely, surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, you don't have to pay taxes. Now notice something interesting in verse 45, what's happening with Goliath. It's, it's, they say, have you seen this man, get this, 
who is coming up. And again, they say it. Surely he is coming up. There was a small little brook in the center of the valley of Elah, and it sounds as if Goliath has passed over that brook and now is coming up toward the Israelite army, moving into the Israelite camp. If we tolerate giants, if we just kind of let them be and not address them, those things that cause unhealthy fears, they're going to start to take over our territory. They're going to come into our camp. They're going to take over our thoughts, our hearts, and our lives. Like they started doing with the Israelite army. I've seen it over and over again. You know, like a young lady who was abused. Um, The giant of abuse that scares her so causes her to say, It's so much a part of my life. I won't ever let anyone love me. And so she keeps others at bay. Or that guy who, you know, he was kind of liking this young lady, and then she rejected him. And now he's got the giant of rejection, the fear of rejection that he doesn't want, but he just doesn't really deal with how he handles rejection. And so... That rejection takes over so much of his life that he won't swoop in and try another relationship out because that rejection has taken over. Or that monster called failure where the fear of failure will cause us, even as grown-ups, to cower, not taking responsibility for our lives, that we'd rather just not deal with it so we move to things like, like drinking or gaming or one addiction or another so that we don't have to face our fears. Running from what causes us to be afraid won't make things better. It will only make things worse. Because that monster that causes that fear won't just leave us alone. He'll start coming up and taking over more and more of our lives. Yeah, avoidance is not a good way to face our fears. A second way in which we make a mistake of facing our fears, when fears attack, we finger point. Finger pointing is another wrong way to deal with our fears. All the Israelite army were afraid of Goliath. That's just a given. And David, um, he was too young to actually be a soldier at this time. He was only like 16 or 17 years old. And he was at home with his dad, Jesse, and uh, he was tending the flock, the sheep. And, and then Jesse wanted to know how his older boys were doing in the battle. And so he sent David to go to the battle with uh, the battle lines with some food so that uh, he could get a report on his older boys. And so David goes there. And uh, he sees what's happening, and you can just sense the passion in David beginning to flare up. Look at verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done to this man who kills this, who kills this, this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, 
this will be done for the man who kills him. In other words, you'll be given the riches and, and the king will give you his daughter and you won't have to pay taxes. But then David's oldest brother, Eliab, who's a soldier, you can just tell that he is governed by fear that this monster is in front of him and he's afraid and instead of addressing that, he points a finger at David. Notice verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger burned against David and he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? By the way, there's a lot of insight into the way he answered Eliab. And you could tell that there was tension between his oldest brother and David. Was it not just a question? And he turned away from him to another and said to the same thing. Didn't I, wasn't I just asking a question? I mean, what have I done wrong? And the people answered the same thing as before. David was not the problem. Goliath was the problem. Eliab, the big, strong leader, soldier type, was having his insecurities exposed by this giant. He was revealed to be a littler man than he actually was putting out in front of him. He was a lot weaker than he was letting on. And that giant was exposing his insecurities. And instead of addressing the giant, he points the finger at David. You're the problem. You're the thing I'm mad at. <laughs> Huge responsibility at work, right? This project that you're working on, it's just causing a lot of stress. And you come home at night and you lay into the kids. You point your finger at the kids. Or you're feeling a little insecure about your abilities as a parent. And instead of owning those insecurities and trying to become a better parent, you blame your spouse. You blame your wife or you blame your husband and you point the fingers at them. We fear our inabilities, maybe as an athlete or as a musician or as an artist or as a professional. And instead of addressing those inabilities and just owning us for who we are, we point a finger at the coach, such a bad coach, or, or the bad teacher, or the bad boss. It takes being in tune with ourselves to understand what are those giants that we're so afraid of. And then we need to make sure that we handle those giants in the right way. Handle that fear in the right way, not in the wrong way. So let's talk about what is the right way to face our fears. I see four things from this story. The first one is this. Remember the victories. When David is going to come up against Goliath, the first thing he does is he remembers the victories that he has had. Look at verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, 
Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. David knew that it was God who gave him victories in his life. He looked over his shoulder and he said, I know that I fought these animals, but I know that it was God that helped me to defeat them. Do we see God's hand in the victories that we've experienced in our lives? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Uh, Let's take, we might think we're kind of smart, right? Kind of smart, I can kind of work things out, I can think, think things through, you know, I'm kind of, I got it. I got this. I got, I got some smarts. Well, let me just, who gave you those smarts? Who gave you that brain? You might think, you know what? I've worked really hard for what I've got. I've accomplished much. And, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty good about the hard work that I've been able to do and the life that I'm in, you know? Well, hold on a second. Who gave us those abilities? Who actually placed us at this time and in this place and in this, this very environment and offered these opportunities for us to build this life who's who gets the credit for this stuff i mean when god owns it all and he allows us to enjoy the fruits of our labor who gives him who gets the credit or how about the lion of a bad situation that we were in way back when and now we're not in it anymore who gets the credit for for now we're not in that bad situation anymore or how about, you know, working through some, some hard stuff in life? Um, maybe a bad upbringing? Who gets the credit for, for the fact that, you know what, it was a bad upbringing, but now I'm not only alive, but I'm, I'm kind of thriving. Who do we give credit to? Remember, God is on our side, and He cares for us. And as... The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember the victories. It's going to give us strength to face our fears. Secondly, we have to know ourselves, know our limitations, know our strengths, know what pushes our buttons, (laughs) know what we can and cannot handle. Look at verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. By the way, those stones, uh, historians, archaeologists, would say that those stones were probably the size of about a racquetball. You think about the size of that stone, not a small stone, but not a huge stone either. He 
chose those stones and he put them in his pouch. It started out, though, with Saul saying, listen, put on my armor and uh, this is going to help you slay the Philistines, slay Goliath. And David basically put it on and realized this armor does not help me. Sometimes when we want to help someone out, we say, listen, put on the stuff that works for me so it will help you with your fears. So we'll say something like, you know, I, you know, when I'm afraid, I just love to crank on some worship music. I just love to crank on some worship music, and that just really helps me with my fear. Well, it might help you, but it might not help the person who's struggling with that fear. Someone might say, hey, let's, just, let's go play tennis, you know, just kind of work up a sweat a little bit. If I work up a sweat a little bit, that seems to help me with my fears. Well, it might help you with your fears, but it may not help that person who's struggling with fear. It's like saying, hey, put on my armor, because what works for me is going to work for you. It might, but it might not. If we've got a loved one that's struggling with some fears, let me just suggest that what we need to do is just be slow to speak and, and quick to hear, listen, and understand, and, and kind of slow to give a response. And then focus on that which is true that which is honorable, that which is right and pure and lovely and good and excellent and worthy of praise and use those things to face our fears. I'd suggest reaching down and figuring out what are those five smooth stones that I can hang on to to help me face my fears. When I think of those five smooth stones, I, I think of this is the truth. This is what I'm going to rest my security in. David knew those stones were his tool that was going to slay that giant. What tools can we hang on to? What five smooth stones can we pick up? I was thinking around, like, you know, when have I gone through things that I was really afraid of, really scared of? And I, I, I know one of the first times when I said, okay, God, I'm going to face my fears and I'm going forward was when I was 20 years old. That's when I decided to give my life to the Lord. Lord, I'm giving you my whole life. And I remember, I, I know I wasn't reading about David, but I remember some of those smooth stones that I would hang on to. Like, for instance, okay, I realized that my fear in following after Jesus and giving my life to Jesus was I had a ton of friends and none of them were following Jesus. So I figured if I give my life to Jesus, I know I'm going to be rejected. And I feared rejection and I feared loneliness. Those were two big giants that I was facing. But I'd reach down and I'd have to pull out one of those smooth stones. I got to remember, God, you love me. Put that in my power. God, you say you'll never leave me if I do this. Okay, put that one in my pouch. God, I know you've got a plan for my life that, that matters for eternity, and I'm going to go after it. Put that in my pouch. God, You're going to take what I offer to you 
and you're going to use it. So I can't do this on my own strength, so I know you, you give me your Holy Spirit to guide me along. I'm just going to hang on to that truth. Put that in my pocket. And that fifth stone. What is that fifth stone? When you face your fears, what is that truth that you can hang on to? What is that that we can say, God, all right, I'm going to hang on to that stone. And I'm gonna, I know that it's true. And then we do what David did. We put that in our pouch. And we approach the giant. And then look at verse 41. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And I picture David, little David, 16-year-old, 17-year-old David. He gets down at the bottom of the valley and he realizes <laughs> this guy is bigger than he looked when I was up on the hill. <laughs> and I've approached him and now he's intimidating me all the more. But in that moment, when that fear is coming over us even greater, that's when, that's when we got to do what David did. We have to trust our God. Trust our God when it's super scary. Trust our God when we're really facing those things that really make us rattle in our shoes. Look at verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Goliath came to fight. David came to cling to his Lord. My daughter, Kara, is 16. <laughs> I remember when she was two, the doorbell would ring. And if the doorbell rang, Kara would come and find me. Dada, 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 up, up, dada, up, dada. And I'd swoop her into my arms, and then she'd point at the door. Door, 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 door. So I'd carry her over to the door, right, and, and answer it. And she was afraid of the door, the monster called the door, and somebody's at the door that I'm not really sure who it is. But she was okay 
because she was in my arms, pulling my neck toward her. Dada, dada, door. When we face scary things, when we deal with fear in our lives, to face it the right way, we need to turn to the Lord and say, Dada, up, dada, up. I'm scared here, but dada, up. Cling to our Father. The battle belongs to the Lord. Trust that he will bring the victory over the giants in our lives. And then we charge at it. We go toward the fear, not away. We don't avoid it. We don't abort. We go at it. Look at verse 48. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck struck the Philistine on his head, on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, and took his sword, took Goliath's sword, and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they fled. Now, kids, I'm sorry that I read that because that's kind of brutal, I realize. But the reality is, Goliath challenged the Israelite army, and the severing of Goliath's head was definitive. (laughs) He is dead. And the Israelite army were the victors. God was the victor. When fear intimidates us, when fear taunts us, when fear belittles us and tries to control us, what we want to do is run away. (laughs) But in running away, it's kind of like running after the setting sun as the darkness is creeping at us. But the reality is if we're running, always wanting the warmth and the the heat and the, the security of the sun, it will always be ahead of us and it will drop behind the horizon. What God wants us to do is stop trying to run away from the darkness but turn and run at the darkness. Run at the giant. Charge it. Charge at it. And in the moment that we charge at the fear, in that moment we will see God's grace appear to us. We'll see his strength for us. In that moment... The scarecrows will be revealed for the frauds that they are. The monsters will be taken down. The giant's weaknesses will be exposed. And fear will be dealt a fatal blow. Yeah. God's perfect love will cast out all fear. God's light 
will shine in the darkness, and the darkness will not be able to overcome it. And we will experience victory. God's victory. Victory. 